0: Welcome to the Australasian Law Management Journal and our Q&A podcast series. Through these podcast interviews, we are telling the stories and exploring the leadership and business strategies of some of the
1: leading minds in the Australian legal sector. Thanks, Melissa, for joining us on our Q&A. As a starting point, we'd just love to know how you got into the law, why you love the law, And uh, what brought you to this point?
0: Well, thanks for having me on, Cameron. I really appreciate it. It's a fantastic opportunity and I absolutely love educating people through law and it's um, something that I've done over a long period, especially since starting out on my own two years ago. Property law is where where I specialise and it's an area that I'm particularly passionate about and I think it starts from um, when... I was a very young girl. My father is in the building industry, has always been in the building industry. So from a very young age, I was exposed to lots of discussions about property, seeing a lot of property. That was always something that we talked about in our household. And I think over from very young, I developed a very big appreciation for what property is and, and, um, and what's involved. And then I went on to do some business studies After high school at uh, Victoria University, got an early offer into doing a bachelor's as well as part of that journey. From there, I did a couple of units in law. Uh, I think it was business law and employment law at the time. I really enjoyed the thinking that goes into it. It really helped me develop a lot of problem solving skills, if you like. And then I decided from there on to go into doing a uh, Juris Doctor of Laws at Monash University in um, Melbourne CBD. And that was a really amazing learning curve. I learned a lot. I, of course, followed my passion into property law, did that for quite a few years, was in the conveyancing industry for close to 10 and now I've got my own, um, my own practice and haven't looked back since.
1: And uh, you mentioned that you set it up two years ago. That's not an easy decision. There's a lot of work involved in that what was the motivation and how tricky has it been during a period where a lot of people were struggling with covid
0: oh, of course yes so uh, i kind of used that downtime as uh, to my advantage actually so i finished up in private practice at a generalist law firm in melbourne around about march 21 and then yes that was amongst covid and i then used a couple of months to just have a breather because i suffered from a lot of burnout from where i was before and so I needed to take time off. And then I also used that time to start developing my business plan and creating all of my accounts for my business. And then from the time, by the time I got to July 21, I started taking in clients from that point on. It was a process to start my business. I took my time in some sense to do it because I just wanted that, I guess, time for, to myself back then. And then I was fortunate. I had lots of supportive people in my family, a lot of supportive friends. They had started referring clients to me at that point in time. And then word of mouth grows. You start developing more and more referral contacts that start to give you business and vice versa. And that's something that's been growing since day one.
1: And the property market's been on a wild ride the last few years. I guess that's played into your favor there That's been... Uh, massive spikes in the property market across many of the capital cities. Uh, Has that played into your favour?
0: Yeah, well, we specialise in the Victorian market at the moment. Mm and We've found that there has definitely been a lull in the Victorian market in the sense that it's definitely a buyer's market, number one, and there has been low stock in and across uh, Melbourne and surrounds. And what that's meant, that's had an impact on supply and demand where you've got low supply, but you've got demand there for housing that people just can't seem to find and then people get discouraged by that they get discouraged by interest rates and people start to lose confidence being in the market they start to step out and then what I was seeing over a period of time was people engaging me for contract reviews but then they would say well we actually missed out or if we've decided we'd return to the market because it didn't end up being suitable for us or we're just waiting for interest rates to sort of calm down before we start going back in so there's been a lot of that feedback. But having said that, I'm actually finding in the last couple of months it's starting to bounce back a bit more, which has been interesting.
1: So do you think there's just more confidence in the market now?
0: I think because the RBA's paused on the rates in recent times. That's so a whole different discussion, but because mm-hmm. they paused those rates in recent times, people may have felt a little bit more breathing space and have decided to come back into the market. Heading into spring is usually the peak season of every year, so that could be also a factor as well.
1: Now, things must be going pretty well. You were named sole practitioner of the year in the Australian Law Awards, and to do that just after establishing the business two years ago is a remarkable achievement. Tell me about how you feel about that and also what do you think got you across the line?
0: It was a shock when it happened. I remember when I was there because, you know, you, you've got to, I mean, it took me so long to really put it all into perspective and it is it is really rewarding when your industry does recognise you for the hard work that you put in and I think there's a lot of practitioners that deserve it just the same. But when you think about this, the Australian Law Awards, you've got, you know, more than a 1,000 people I think applied this year and then they shortlist it to about 360-odd finalists and then from that. There's about 39 people that get awards in different categories. So you, you think about where it starts to how many get awards. It's actually it's a big deal and it's been wonderful since getting the award as well. We've had um, a lot of recognition through different channels, whether it's through podcasts or through other professionals wanting to prepare publications for the business. So it's been really good in that sense. But I think winning the, the award is definitely symbolic of a lot of the, the hard work that I've put into into the business. And I don't just accept it on behalf of myself, but for other industry colleagues as well, because like I said, there's a lot of people that do deserve it. And yeah, it definitely was a surprise at the time.
1: And you mentioned so, before about but, bringing new clients on board for a, for a new firm. Obviously, that award is a, a great marketing tool, but you also do podcasts, for example. And it strikes me that a lot of law firms are not very good on that PR and marketing front. I'm interested how the podcast going, for example, and what is working for you on the marketing front?
0: Yeah, really good question. I mean, as lawyers, we're not trained to be marketers by any sense. We're trained to be hands-on doing client work. We're trained to problem solve. We're trained to be right in there with running files, et cetera. So, marketing is just not on the register for a lot of us. So, for me, Especially being a law firm owner, I've had to wear a lot of hats, and I've actually had to train myself out of just thinking about that, and starting to think about well, what sort of measures do I need to have in place for for marketing? Understanding who my target market is definitely uh, one of the first steps for me. So, from when I originally started my business, one of the things that I really focused on was understanding who I wanted to target my business to, and for me, it's definitely the Gen Y uh, market. That's just saying it at a high level, but I did really go right down into the nitty-gritty about identifying who my client type of client was, ideal client was, but it's definitely Gen Y. And I said, well, okay, well, what does my type of client like to do? What does my target market like to do every day? And And so I understood what that was. And I knew that one of the things a lot of my target market likes to do is listen to podcasts. And I said to myself, great, well, if that's my audience, I really want to be able to relate to my audience and cater to them as much as possible. And so I decided um, to create a podcast called The First Home Show, which is a podcast that's dedicated to first home buyers, who I think are the most vulnerable and need to be the most empowered in the property market, because often you may not be sure about what's happening around you. You're relying a lot on other people's advice when you're in the the market for the first time, and so I really feel like if there's any way I can use my knowledge to empower those that are first time buyers and make them feel less vulnerable. Then why not do that through a podcast? So I've done that as well. I also have a couple of other podcasts that I also participate in. I'm also a co-host of the Property Chats, which I release about every four to six weeks with the mortgage broker David Petit from um, Yellow Brick Road in Caroline Springs, and I'm also a co-host of another podcast called Wealth from Walls that. I also distribute on my social media that I participate with um, Mohit from Capital for Castles and Amir from a BT Property. So there's that too, again, because my target market likes podcasts. Also, I'm very active on my social media for me. Getting a lot of organic growth through social media and especially LinkedIn has been quite powerful. And I find um, if there's one tip that I can give, it's just uh, if you're trying to target an audience that's very active on socials, you need to be as well. So even having a TikTok, Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook, I always try to post at least once every couple of days, if not every day, just to keep in front of people's faces effectively.
1: Well, it sounds like you're very busy on that front. Have you found it a natural process for yourself? A lot of People might think, oh, we're, we're resource poor. Uh, we don't have time to do that. Obviously, you see the benefit of it. Has it taken up a lot of time? Is it a difficult process?
0: I find it's not. I think as time goes on and you keep doing it, it gets easier. But you know what? As you grow a reputation with your business, I mean, social media is one way of approaching your marketing, but just doing a really good job for your clients can often lead to very happy referral partners and very happy clients that leads to more clients so a lot of people say, oh, you know, I've signed up to this directory or I've done this and I've done that or I've invested money here and it just hasn't worked. But the old-fashioned, like, word of mouth, just a great way. And even when I started, I remember I used to go up to sales offices in the new estates and just knock on their doors and just tell people who I am and mm-hmm. give out my business card and I've done that. I still do that sometimes if I'm in an area I've had a coffee with a referral partner. I might pop into the real estate agent's office next door and say hello. That's just as powerful. So definitely, creating a sense of word of mouth is one of, if not the most powerful way of marketing your business organically. And social media doesn't take much time at all. You know, you can just do one little video post about your, you know, what you specialize in, and 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 put that up. And if you need a team member, there's lots of virtual assistants out there that you can um, you can engage to actually
1: do the posting for you. Well, I know that lots of solo practitioners have this challenge of being a marketer, of being a lawyer, being an HR person, and clearly you're juggling all of those things. How how are you finding that and how do you make sure that you don't lose focus on that, that primary job of being a lawyer?
0: Yes. So there's still multiple hats that I do wear in the business. I used to wear a lot more in probably the first year of my practice. Since then, fortunately, I've had a really good Team that I've grown into the business. So I've got a couple of girls that are absolutely amazing between the three of us. We've got 40 years of conveyancing experience across three of us. So it's been really good in terms of getting my time back. So, yes, as time goes on, you do develop a team and then they can be additional resources for you to take to get your time back to do other things. So, I'm finding as time has gone on and I've slowly grown the business that it's been more manageable to do some of those marketing initiatives.
1: And we always ask, because we're management-focused about the leadership style or the management style of our Q&A subjects, how do you sort of rate yourself on that front? Are you command and control? Are you fairly laid-back sort of leader? How would you describe it, Melissa?
0: And it's such a good question. There's a lot of demand and control in our industry, (laughs) and I just want to be a thought leader to change that as best as I can. So, For me, I consider myself more of a collaborator slash leader in, in my business. So for me, I find it so important to bring my team into discussions about where the business is going, not just delegating tasks, but actually having those conversations so that my team feels like they're a part of something bigger. And so it makes them feel like they're more connected to the values of the business. That is something that's so important. There's a lot of law firms that still fail to do that. There's still this big hierarchy in our industry, especially with medium and above medium and top tier law firms. You get such a hierarchy and granted, you can't include everyone when you start to get too big. But certainly as you are growing as a business, that is really important. So people feel more connected to you and your business. And um, I think it's the old adage, if you're really good to people, they'll be good to you. So being collaborative, being adaptable to to change is also a really big big one as well. If you've got team members that are more stronger in doing one thing over another and you've got other team members that are stronger in, in different areas compared to other areas, try to put them in those, in those places as much as you can. For example, with my team, I've reshuffled my team in the past before to ensure that we've got the right person doing the legwork for the conveyancing and the right person doing the admin because that's their strength. So really understanding what your employees and your um, contractors' strengths are is another really important aspect of leadership aside from treating everyone that you work with well. And yeah, having an open door policy, I find, and this is from my own experience, I remember with a lot of private practices I used to work for, I felt really unsafe at times. Unsafe in the sense that if I say that I'm struggling, I'm worried that my job security is on the line. And that happens a lot. And that needs to change big time in our industry. And for me, it's an open door policy in my business. If I've got my staff concerned about something, whether it's within the business, whether it is outside of the business, they know that they can call me and I'm not going to tell them that you're not resilient enough or you're not emotionally intelligent enough, which I've been on the receiving end personally with those remarks, they know that I'll be very supportive. And the question I would usually ask them is, what can I do
1: to support you? Yeah, mental health concerns have been a huge concern for the legal sector. Do you you think we're making progress? Do you think there's some advances happening?
0: I think not enough, if I'm honest. I think there's a lot more awareness about it in the industry overall. I think we talk about it. I think we encourage it. But whether it's being implemented in a widespread way is a question mark for me. I'd like to see more instances where that is happening because I still hear the same feedback from a lot of my peers that are working in private practice with their feedback. I mean, you've had a lot of firms that have said after COVID, I'm sure you've you've come across this as well, where you know firms have said, right, as soon as COVID's finished, you're all back on deck. We want to see what you're doing. Where's the trust in your team when that happens? Granted, if that's coming from a good place where you want you want to give people that quality of being able to speak to their senior lawyers more readily, and it helps to be at work in the actual workplace to do that. But if it's because it's coming from a place where you want to be overseeing and controlling what everyone's doing, that's not a good thing. So I've had that sort of feedback. So overall, I think there is more that businesses can do to implement better mental health measures and a better culture. I think that's probably one of the starting points.
1: Yeah, it's a very important point. Thanks, Melissa. Moving on, you mentioned the growth word before. What are the ambitions for Conveyed? What are your personal ambitions for the firm? Where do you go from here?
0: Yeah, so I work with about a five-year vision for the business. Within the next sort of three to five years, we want to venturing into being more of a national brand. So our aim is you know from next month onwards, we want to start taking on Queensland, for example. So that's a really exciting move for the business that we're just just about to launch that goes towards our our five-year vision for the business. So that's uh, definitely the big growth plan for us. We're trying to take on once state at a time and just growing out our team and having a person on the ground in each of those states um yeah because i do have a very strong brand awareness for the business for me it's about growing the personal brand growing the business brand and then hopefully if we have this conversation in five years time you'll see offices in every state which will be exciting so we can
1: we can expect to see more of you on tiktok uh,
0: and instagram
1: (laughs) for example
0: that's right.
1: <laughs> uh, and I'm just curious, yeah. why Queensland next uh, sort of target market for you? Why Queensland?
0: Yeah, it's uh, it's a hot market, to put it simply. So why not? I thought about it. I said, where would we go next? I mean, we're, we're, we're doing well in Victoria. Where's the next place? And um, I had a chat about it with my team. We said, well, there's a lot of people in Victoria that are actually investing in Queensland. So there is a market of people here that want to deal with someone here or, or a Victorian startup business that can assist them with Queensland purchases as well. So, we thought about that market and there is just a lot more activity there in comparison to other areas of Australia.
1: And Melissa, what do you think will be the main challenges in this growth phase and moving forward? It's you know it's a highly competitive market. What are going to be the big challenges for you?
0: I thought... The big challenge was going to be marketing. Like, how do we market now on a much wider scale? So that's something that we're working on as we speak. So that's one challenge. The other one, and I find that this is just a challenge that I've faced since the beginning is finding really good staff. And it does happen because I've now got amazing staff, but certainly that is probably the biggest challenge is finding the right people to fill the right spots in your in your business and um you know there's a responsibility on me to ensure that anyone that comes into my business is happy so we, i'm always actively ensuring that that's the case but just having the right people with the right expertise and the right attitudes is just something that you really have to make sure are in place from the beginning and sometimes getting the right people can be a challenge at times, and I expect that that's probably something that we'll encounter as we start to grow the business as well, but that's just part and parcel of the journey.
1: How have you found those good people in the past?
0: I've consulted with my network to find some good people. I've really taken my own initiative to really put the word out there, and um, I've spoken to quite a lot of people that have come my way to make an assessment of who would be right. So, for me, there's a very I go through a diligent process of vetting, in a, in a way, to ensure we've got the right people on our team. For me, personally, skills can be learnt. My view is that skills can be learnt. They don't have to be the most experienced conveyancer in the world. That can all be learnt. It's more attitudes, getting people in, in that have the right attitudes. That's what I vet for. And uh, yeah, yet. So I've, I've gone on Facebook, I've spoken to people that I know and I've, I've gone through a long process of trying to ensure I've got the right team behind me.
1: And uh, I know you want a happy team and uh, I notice on your profile that you're away from work, you're a, a dog lover, you're a foodie, you're a coffee lover. Just talk to me about the importance of, of getting away from work and maybe some of those, those passions.
0: Yeah, I've heard people describe... In our industry, I've heard people, lawyers describe their their lifestyle as work integration. I don't know if I agree with that. Work-life integration is the term I've heard. I'm like, well, oh, I don't know. I think you do need to have a degree of separation. So for me, yeah, work-life balance is so important. And, you know, there are times as solicitors we do, it does get stressful at times. So it's really good to have a nice outlet outside of work. And that's why, you know, for me, I just like to go out and try different Cafes, I like to spend time with my fiance's dog Simba. is a lovely convertible. Barks, barks like anything, but the most adorable Mm -hmm. thing in the world. I love to stay fit and healthy. So it's about making sure I'm eating the right foods, making sure that I'm fit to ensure that I'm able to to manage stress. So, yeah, I think it's very important that you find some sort of outlet that's going to get you away from work because life doesn't have to be all about work, especially in our industry.
1: And you say you're a coffee addict. So I noticed that on your profile. Melbourne's a pretty good place for that. Right. But what's your coffee of choice?
0: Oh, you know, I I like a uh, not I I am pretty standard. I like a soy latte. It's very Marburnian mm-hmm. of me. I like soy latte. There's a really nice place in the city. It's called Patricia's. I don't know if you've heard of it. It's on Little Burke, Little Burke Street, but they have a nice real robust coffee.
1: So well, I'm up in Brisbane, but when I'm down in Melbourne, I'll have to oh, I'll yes. give that a try. I think yes, we're giving yes. them a free plug by the sound. <laughs> <laughs> we are
0: giving you a free plug. But uh, yeah, I love a good latte. I like a strong
1: coffee as well so for me. Uh, it's great to get your insights, Melissa. I'm just interested. Are there any other messages you wanted to get across about your firm or any advice to other sole practitioners? I know it's a pretty tough market for some of them. Any other thoughts? Yeah.
0: When times get hard, always remember what your purpose was to begin with when you started your business, especially if you are a small law firm owner. Just always remember that. Remind yourself of what you're passionate about. Follow your passions. That's what I always suggest. If it's the law, remember your purpose. You are going to come across challenges, but we do have a very supportive industry and you can always call out to them and you can call out to me and yeah, just be mindful of the culture that you create for your employees. Make sure that everyone's happy. And in turn, if you're good to people, they'll be good to you.
1: Melissa, thanks for your time. Really appreciate it.
0: My pleasure. Thanks, Cameron. Thanks for listening to the Australasian Law Management Journal Q&A podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider subscribing. For more
1: law management insights, please visit lmhub.com.au.